Gitten, Perik Zayin, Mishnah Dalit 7.4. This is an absolutely fascinating Mishnah, um, but it's a little it's a little challenging, so, you know, brace yourself. Uh, the first part of the Mishnah is going back to consider um, the previous Mishnah, where we had a fellow who was, let's say, he was on his deathbed. Maybe he didn't know, and he said, listen, today is Monday. I'm giving you a get now. And he says, listen, if I die from this illness, so then this uh, get is effective from now, from today. Um, so let's say, for example, he's not sure what's going to happen yet. Maybe he's not going to make it to the end of the week or otherwise. So on Tuesday, the next day or Wednesday or Thursday, um, maybe she already is a divorced woman and the divorce kicked in because maybe he's going to die. Um, or maybe not. Maybe he's going to survive his illness, in which case they won't be divorced. So how do they interact in those, you know, on Tuesday and Wednesday? So says the Mishnah, Lo imo. They can't have yichud. The couple can't be together privately. El um, unless they have... You know, someone there watching. The issue um, is, the, there's, there's two approaches in the Gemara. The simpler way to understand it, which the Barthura does not say, um, but it's far, by far more simple, is that there's an Isra Durabanan of a man having Yichud with a Panuya, an unmarried woman, and since if they're divorced, he's a man, she's an unmarried woman, um, they can't uh, be, you know, secluded, have Yichud, and therefore, uh, it's forbidden Midurabanan. Simple as that. That's the simplest explanation. Uh, the Bartonor does not take that tack. He's focused on the other explanation of the Gemara, which is there's a concern that if they would then um, sleep together after that Monday, so on the Tuesday or Wednesday, and maybe he intends for that to be a new Kedushin. So then even if he like dies then on the Thursday, so while the first get would have been effective on Monday, but since he re-Makadish her, was re her on the Tuesday when he slept with her, so then she anyways is dying as a uh, a widow, not a divorcee. She needs a second get to stop that from happening. So that second approach is like um, presents all sorts of halachic technicalities because um, to effect Kedushin through sleeping together, you would need to have two witnesses that know about it and he knows about it and they intend to do it and so on, which is a little complicated. So I don't want to get into, you know, ironing all those kinks. The point is, the mission's point here is that um, they have to be concerned that uh, maybe she's divorced, and therefore they have to be strict not having yichud. Um, but, says the Mishnah, filu eved, filu shifcha, um, when it says edem, it doesn't mean necessarily two witnesses, even one witness would be sufficient to stop the yichud stuff from happening, for sure. Um, and that could be even a slave or a slave girl. Chutz m'shivchasa, the only person who it couldn't be is her own maidservant. Because because she's very comfortable with her own slave girl, and it's very possible that the, they would sleep together even if um, the slave girl um, were witnessing it, so that wouldn't stop the problem. Therefore, she can't be an effective, you know, uh, protection against yichud or whatever it is. Okay, so that's that's the first part of the Mishnah. That's not so challenging. Now, the second part of the Mishnah is absolutely challenging. Um, let me try to discuss it outside first, and then we'll see it inside. The nub of this part of the Mishnah is there's a machlokus which spans Skultor Kula regarding the topic of Brera. Brera is the possibility that something can be decided uh, retroactively, that something which is in an uncertain state um, can be determined retroactively based on subsequent events. So uh, I think it appeals to our sense of reason more, um, even though you could argue it's just a legal fiction, but the case is like this, you know, if you if you believe that Brera, it's a machlokas tanaim, Brera actually is a legal principle in the in Torah. 
Um, if you assume Brera is a legal principle, so what is the case? The case is a person says to his wife, listen, uh, you're divorced from the day before I die. Okay? So today's Monday. Now, uh, according to Brera, how Brera would work is if someone now sleeps this woman on Monday, not not the husband, of course, so then did he commit the violation of Aishas Ish? Did he sleep with someone else's wife? So the answer is, if you hold a Brera, we don't know. Let's wait till tomorrow and find out. If the husband dies tomorrow, then she was divorced today and everything's okay. But if the husband doesn't die tomorrow, then she was married today, in which case the person who slept with her is high of, you know, the, the obligations for sleeping with a woman who's married would be, like in this case, would be, if it was intentional, it would be chenek, and if it would be strangulation, and if it would be bishogeg, it would just be a chatas. But the point is, we won't know the status today until tomorrow. Okay, that's what Breyer says. You can retroactively determine the status of what happened today based on the events of tomorrow. But there are Tanaim who hold, including Rabbi Yosin and our Mishnah, that Breyer is not, it sounds nice and it makes sense if in a legal framework, but he says just not. A, it's not a thing. It's not a principle. I mean, in other words, in other words the guy slept with this woman today. We want to know if what he did was right or wrong. You can't wait till tomorrow to decide that. The reality of the situation has to be here and now. He rejects the possibility that subsequent events, meaning whether the husband dies tomorrow, would reflect back on the status today. You need to be able to decide now, is she divorced or not? Subsequent, subsequent events can't change that. So since it's just, you know, her divorce is, in fact, contingent upon him dying tomorrow, um, so she is in like um, like a, like in a... a I think the technical term would be like a superposition, right? She's like both like divorced and not divorced at the same time, okay? It's indeterminate. You can't decide now. You'll not be able to know. She's like half divorced, quasi-divorced, okay? This, if you just, you know, brush up on your basic quantum paradoxes and, you know, do a Google for like, you know, Schrodinger's cat or Copenhagen interpretation or something, so then you'll you'll get an inkling more of what's happening. But basically what we're saying, I think, but basically what we're saying is according to Rubiosi, she's like Schrodinger's cat. She's like half... She's like, uh, she's half, she's both alive and dead at the same time, or she's both, she, and this, that's Schrodinger's cat. She, the woman, is both like divorced and not divorced at the same time. Okay? And according to the Copenhagen interpretation of quantum, you know, paradoxes, that can be. And only once you check what happens tomorrow, that will resolve things for tomorrow. But the past, it was actually in both at the same time. Okay? Yeah, you probably don't like that because Schroeder doesn't like it either. Um, but the point is, that's the machlokas here. Um, so therefore, according to Rebbe Yehuda, who holds of Brera, if someone sleeps with her today and the Bezdin catches him, the psak would be, listen, let's wait till tomorrow to find out, and then we'll know. According to Rebbe Yossi, that that's not a thing. Tomorrow can't determine what the, the, the morality or legality of today's events. Today's events are today's events. They stand independent, and therefore... Um, She's like a indeterminate in terms of her divorce status, and therefore the guy who slept with her. He won't bring a chatas or won't get chenek. Instead, he would bring an asham tali. This like um, the the guilt offering you bring for an indeterminate situation where there's a possibility of you being liable for a chatas, depending on circumstances which you cannot determine. Okay, so that would be the din. So that's the idea of our mission here. I hope I said it clearly enough that it makes some sense. So here, so the the next part of the mission here. It's not explicit, but the Gemara ends up saying that he says to his wife, Hereza Gitech, this is your get, Vizgarshi Bo, 
me'es sh'ani ba'olam imesi. It should take effect like, you know, the moment before um, I die, if I die. So, although my example was a little more intuitive, it's like the day before, the same principle would occur the moment before. It doesn't make a difference if it's a day or a second. The point is every second stands alone, according to Biosi. So therefore, what will be the din? Mahi ba'osan hayamim, what's her status during those days, says the Mishnah. So Rabbi Yehuda, who holds a brera, says, Omer ke'eshes ish l'chol She's a married woman in every sense. In other words, every second that she didn't, that the husband didn't die, means she's a full-blown Ashes ish, and therefore if someone sleeps, there's no suffolk. The next instance confirms the previous instance, or the, let's go back to the days, it's more intuitively understandable. The next day confirms the previous day she was still married, and therefore if someone sleeps with her, that's it. She's an Ashes ish, and the penalties are, you know, chatas. Um, whereas Rabbi Yossi Omerio says there's no such thing as Brera. You can't decide the status of today based on what happens tomorrow. No. Today stands alone, independent. And therefore, Megoreshes Vene Megoreshes, she's like in the superposition of being both divorced and not divorced at the exact same time, as crazy as that sounds. And therefore, he, the paramour who slept with her, wouldn't be liable to the Chatas or Chenek. Instead, he'd be liable to the Asham Tali, the indeterminate, uncertain, guilt-arfans brought when someone's not sure whether or not he's liable to a Chatas.